in this episode of the Back Engineering Show, I'd like to talk about uh, a relatively uh, turned popular technique called mutual TLS or MTLS. It's not something new per uh, per se, because it's it's been there since day one, I believe, but it's been popularized by specifically certain use cases related to microservices. And, uh, and this is what I want to talk about. In order to talk about that, obviously, we need to talk about what TLS is, right? What is the current most, you know, ubiquitous way of performing authentication in TLS? I'm going to talk about, like, what kind of disadvantages is associated with that. I'm going to talk about what MTLS is, what is the mutual TLS really is. Talk about the advantages, problems that it solves. And obviously, nothing is free in software engineering. You introduce something, it comes with its own its own sets of problems. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about their disadvantages or things to watch out when you implement mutual TLS. Let's jump into it. Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Back in Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. And this is our long-form, in-depth conversation about one topic. Uh, I like this podcast because uh, this is the only time where I can take one topic and I uh, go as deep as possible in that topic. You can't do that in, in 60 seconds or a few minutes. You know, you need time to explore these you know, options and talking details. And, and I totally understand some of you are not fan of this long form content. You prefer, you know, short at eight to 10 minutes video, but uh, some, some of you are like this kind of long form content. And this is, I guess, for the, for those kind of people. So let's jump into it. So we start with discussing what TLS really is, transport layers security. It was invented to encrypt the communication between two party, client and server. Right? They exchange uh, symmetric keys using a key exchange algorithm. And once the same key exists in both machines, then they use that key to encrypt the communication. Any packet they send is encrypted first with that symmetric key. And as a result, 
no one in the middle can actually see the actual plain text, right? And even better, no one can modify it, right? Because if you did modify anything, that's the most, you know, dangerous thing in the internet, you know, that can lead to bad things. Because if you can go to a site and I change that to make you go to another site, that is very dangerous. And this used to happen all the time with plain text, unencrypted HTTP. You see, if, we, if you go to HTTP slash slash google.com in the old days, you know, a get request will be sent and that get request will be translated to, you know, the layer four, which becomes a TCP segment. Before that, we establish the TCP connection. Once we have that in layer five, you know, the session file descriptors and all the session uh, variables and session metrics, then we move to create a segment you know, and we ship that segment, that data is sent into a segment. It depends on the MTU and the size of the segments and how large based on the, you know, the protocol that we're going to, uh, and based on the, basically the algorithm of slow start, how big that initial, how many segments we can send also is controlled by something called the slow start algorithm and the congestion avoidance. And I, and I talk about that in my networking fundamental course it's right here check it out go to network.hussainnasser.com uh, for a discount coupon that link directs automatically to udemy with that discount uh, apply so that get request will be shoved into a segment and that segment let's assume for simplicity it's just a single segment that will travel right it will be into an ip packet it will go through the first your router right my router is out there that's the first destination you know, that author will start to do natting and it will send it across the internet, right? And the first thing that it will go through, it will go through my ISP, right? So anything I send goes through my ISP. So my ISP is on, on path. It has to go to. It's my gateway to the internet, right? The autonomous system of my ISP, right, connects me to the wild, wild internet and there are other routers that control that so the fact that everything i send goes through my isp that means my isp sees everything i sent right except if it's encrypted in this case it's not right i'm sending in a plain text get request going to google so if, if my isp or any man in the middle that happened to be on my route okay sees my data that means they can change it so they can pose that IP packet instead of actually forwarding it like normal routers will do, they can respond back to me saying, hey, uh, actually, uh, uh, don't, uh, here's where you're supposed to go. HTTP code 301, redirect to this website. Okay. And this website is owned by the attacker so the fact that you went to google.com you are redirected to a site that is not google and now you are completely in the control of the attacker and that act of the redirection is establishes another tcp connection and goes through that and it, and that new site could be encrypted but the fact that we did not encrypt at the beginning is the problem right 
So what do we do is we try to always encrypt the connection first. And that's what we use TLS for, which is awesome, right? So sending a plain text HTTP is just a bad idea in general because this could happen, right? So we invented HTTPS. You always start with HTTPS. Let's always use TLS. Let's always encrypt first, right? So in this case, you establish a communication and everything is encrypted. But that's not what TLS is only used for. TLS actually is used for authentication. What does that mean? It means that if you're connected to google.com, right? How do you know that you actually hit google.com? TLS can guarantee that. You see, when you establish HTTPS connection, not HTTP, right? HTTP pure HTTPS. You do the TCP connection with the server. Right? You got the server. And then you turn around and then you do a TLS. You send a TLS hello, which has this key exchange that we talked about and says, okay, use this algorithm and use this key size and use this. And it has a bunch of parameters. And inside that, there is something called the SNI. There is an extension in the TLS called SNI, server name indication, that tells you that, hey, I want to go to google.com. But you might say, Hussein, didn't we just do a DNS and I asked for the IP address of Google? Isn't that enough? Not really, for many reasons. Because once you get that IP address, you lost that knowledge that you're connected to Google. You're connected to a, to a reverse proxy. And then you will send that SNI. And from that SNI, from that text that says, hey, I want to connect to Google.com in the extension, in the TLS, the server is responsible to serve you back what we call a certificate. So that certificate contains the name, google.com, because that's what you requested. Say, so, okay. And it contains something called a public key. And it can contain a signature. And that signature is signed by the private key corresponding to that public key. Why? Because that's the only way we can guarantee that we can ship back that certificate. And if you got the certificate, you can verify that this public key actually participate to this certificate. How? Well, you take that public key and you decrypt that signature. And if it verifies correctly, that means whoever signed this must have that must have the private key. And now we know the certificate is valid. But that's not enough. Why? Because anyone literally can do that. You can create a public key and private key and claim to be Facebook.com and create a certificate that is self-signed, right? That's not enough to verify that is accurate because it will be. So how do we prevent people from pretending to be Facebook, right? Servers pretending from uh, being Google, right? What we do is we rely on a, on a third party, on someone higher that can be trusted. And that's basically the certificate authority. So what, the, what Google and Facebook and any website does is, okay, here's my public key, right? 
you don't get my private key at all. Here's my public key certificate authority. You are trusted everywhere in the world. Uh, please sign this for me. So whoever sees the certificate can trust my, this is my actual public key that belongs to Google. And certificate authorities usually do their due diligence to check that, okay, you are actually Google. I'm gonna put a file in your machine. Let me try to access that file. Once that happens, okay, I trust you. I'm gonna use my private IP, my private IP address, my private IP, my private uh, key, right, to uh, sign your public key, yeah? and this is a proof. And I'm gonna include my public key as a certificate authority and my name and all the information. That so you can see how big, how large this can get. Now the question is, all right. I ship these two pieces of information to the client and the client will take the certificate. I trust the certificate, but I don't trust this public keys belong to Google. Who signed this? Oh, here's part of, it says the name is certificate authority, let's encrypt. Oh, let me check my certificate store as a client. Oh, that looks good. The certificate authority is right there as my store. Let's encrypt is actually trusted. That's enough for me I need I don't need to go any further in the chain that's enough or that is not enough why because I could not find a shark encrypt certificate authority on my store is this really trusted you who knows because maybe this certificate authority is just not doesn't exist in my cert I'm an IOT device and I don't have a large cert store I have only basic things Sure, okay. The chain that the user sent actually included who signed that certificate authority. And it could be another certificate authority. And that could be another certificate authority. Yeah. Up until we reach the certificate, basically that doesn't have anything above it, the root certificate. And once we reach that, that must exist in the store. If it doesn't exist, the client rejects the certificate. And that's basically how the verification happens. So you can see that the chain, including the entire chain could be expensive. And this is another topic that I'm gonna talk about in another podcast where uh, these certificates are not actually compressed by default. You, you receive all these things from the server and uh, if you if you understand how networking works, these need to be placed into segments, and if they are too large and the MTU is too small, these need to be sent as multiple segments, right? And as a result, can delay the TLS handshake, right? Obviously, for two or three handshake, who cares? But if you're massive, you know, your scale uh, content delivery network that you know adds up. All right. So that's the authentication part. So advantages of this, you see, you notice that we only authenticated the server, you know? The server sends us the certificate and we never send, said anything about the client authenticating itself. That's how most of the internet works today. We ask to connect to a server and the server sends us the certificate so we can verify and trust it. That's how most communication works. And it's very useful, you know, because you see, 
Uh, if I carried out as an attacker a DNS poisoning attack, what is that? Uh, I intercepted the DNS, which is mostly unencrypted until we get DOH or DOT mainstream. Uh, as an attacker, assuming I am in root, like I'm in Starbucks and I did an R poisoning and I pretended to be the gateway and all the IP packets are now going my way instead of the actual router. So I, I am in route. I can see and change everything. So now if I see a DNS going to Google, I'm going to immediately answer the, the user. I'm not going to even bother sending that DNS request. So oh, Google.com is actually uh, 1234 and 1234 IP address is actually uh, uh, run by the server, by the attacker. So now, the next thing that the user will do is actually establish a TCP connection was 1234 instead of Google's IP address. Pretty cool, right? So now the TCP connection is established because it's just TCP has nothing to do with authentication. Hey, it's an IP address. I'm going to connect to it. And I just connected to the attacker server. Okay. It's not a big deal. We didn't exchange anything yet. Let's continue. The next thing, what do I do immediately after TCP? I do TLS, right? I send the TLS hello. And I say, hey, I want to connect to Google.com again, right? So this is another the second time we mention the host name. We actually mentioned it three times if it's HTTP. And the first in the DNS, the second in SNI, the third is the host name in the header, uh, HTTP header. So I'm going to include it in the SNI server name indication. Right, as a plain text, there are efforts that try to encrypt that. ESNI, I think, failed. Right, encrypted a client. Hello, encrypted client. Hello is trying to encrypt all the thing and mostly succeeding. I think uh, I don't have much information about that, but you can dig deep into that. We might talk about it as also in the future. So now I sent that. I say, hey, I want to go to google.com. I know where I'm going to go. I have that stored. I want to go to, I still need to go to google.com. All right. The attacker will receive that. The attacker will receive a request to establish a secure channel with itself, but it is the clients asking for google.com certificate. Do you think the attacker has that? They don't. The attacker does not have that. Right, the attacker cannot. The attacker can create easily a self-signed certificate claiming to be Google.com, but the client will immediately reject that because it's self-signed. It won't find it in its uh, certificate throw, and there is no certificate authority that will sign a certificate claiming to be Google that is not Google, right, or Facebook or anyone, and right? except DigiNotar, which happened like few years back maybe 10 years ago where certificate authority well, i think got compromised and started signing certificates for google and gmail and it was nuts yeah. read more about it just type diginotar d-i-g-i notar n-o-t-a-r so yeah it's interesting right so that's why certificate authorities are very critical it's like if you got compromised you're done so so the attacker cannot do anything. So if the TLS session will be aborted and 
the client will be protected. That's why when you, when you ever receive a bad certificate, the browser will will give you this war warning, warning, warning. Don't click. Someone try to hack you. Blah 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 blah. X X dot dude. Don't do this. Don't enter the site. That's why it's bad, right? To accept bad certificates, right? Uh, all right. So we're protected. What's wrong with this? This seems perfect, right? Seems absolutely perfect. Until now, we're gonna get to MTLs. What What do you guys have? It's like let's chill. This is a chill podcast, okay? Like, why is everyone in a hurry? Right? Like, okay, oh, I tuned out after one minute. Boring. I know, I'm boring. But yeah, just like sometimes you need to chill, relax, you know. Like, yeah, what do you have? You're just listening to this in the gym. You know, just relax and do more push-ups. Okay. Now, the problems with this as it's done today is what if uh what if what if the attacker doesn't need to pretend to be as the server imagine this netflix this has actually just happened to me someone someone sent me a text from netflix saying that your payment method has been declined on the same day that Netflix charges my account. And funny enough, I actually changed my payment method two months ago. So that was very almost, I almost believed it. It's like, oh, your payment has been declined. Click here to uh, re-authenticate or whatever. I was like, oh, really? They, what? Just, it was, I thought it went through. I was like, ah, you suckers. You tried to get me to click and give me my password. And it was a cycle Netflix dot seven Z A dot sixty nine dot nasty dot three AM dot com. That was the site. <laughs> it was like sheesh, okay. And God. I know if I click nothing will happen, you know, until I actually put my password, but you know. I, I try to as much as possible be not get scared because I understand, you know what is gonna happen if i click they get to know my ip address so i would rather do a vpn and then click you know but i also need to make sure that if i click uh no cookies will be sent and i know now none will be right because this site doesn't know me and never visited it before but still to be sure don't click in any links right but also try to understand why you're not clicking on any links. Does that make sense, guys? It's like I, I don't just don't like to tell people like, oh, just don't click any links. I like to explain. Does that make sense? Like sometimes it's like, okay, oh, don't put your hands on the fire. Like why? Because you're gonna get burned. It's like okay, that makes sense, right? But oh, don't click because you, you because they're gonna steal your account, right? It's like yeah, but it's not as easy, but it is. Anyway. Back to the topic. So assume I was, you know, I was, you know, tired that day. I was like, oh, okay, let me click. Let me fix. All right. You click there and then, you, oh, what password? Netflix. Do, 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 do. Wait a minute. Why did why did my face ID didn't work? I never mind. Maybe Apple doesn't. Something's wrong. Let me put my password. Oh. And I just sent my username and password. 
to the attacker and the attacker got my credentials what would the attacker do next they will log in or no to my site to netflix on my account and netflix assume no two-factor authentication was enabled on my account right we'll let them in why because they have the password but what, what happened about all this authentication Hussein, that you're talking about well <laughs> the attacker let's assume attackers from i don't know somewhere right russia belarus you know australia anyone from australia right? i love when i come to the u.s you know it's like the the s is pronounced sh i don't know if you if you noticed in the americans like strawberry australian you know i don't know maybe it's just this is what i noticed like the american versus british random very random i know but if from australia we connect the attacker to connect to netflix and netflix trust it right because netflix will send the certificate its certificate to the attacker and says okay you can you can access for sure enter your username and password username and password boom login it's like yeah oh you're looking from australia what's happened uh, it's okay i have relatives in the australia and they have my password and that's very common right people share their password and they, so they will let you in definitely <laughs> and someone just entered your account that easy phishing attacks brute force if some if i brute force it into a connection to a postgres database right we see the news all the time i try to brute force uh, public postgres or mongodb or Elasticsearch, and then they guess the password because you know, it's not hard and then they are in right? even if the communication is encrypted because the attacker has served the certificate of the server and the server you know will send that and the client will authenticate says yeah i trust you server the attacker will say yeah i trust you mongodb server a uh, yeah wink wink and it'll let in there is no other way of authentication by default you know and this is this is part of the problem so you can people can access attackers can access this information and read and steal right credential stuffing they found your password somewhere else you know you, you you used the same password for your bank of america in and pizza hot or think from pizza hot right password capital capital p at sswrd one and use that right and then uh you can you, you logged into your uh pizza hut you logged into pizza hut and then uh someone leaked uh, the database of pizza hut and your password got exposed let's assume they didn't salt or do any fancy thing that's right there plain text so yeah they they're gonna use that on our other accounts and they're gonna log in so this is called credential stuffing so that and they can because there is no other authentication they don't this bank of america doesn't know it's you or not you it just knows that someone tried to access it's like we let them in they had the password sure another problem that usually happened was uh, api keys you know how many times did we hear of uh, someone pushing the their token or api key in github uh, publicly visible that's nasty i did it once for sure so if that happens then 
someone can take that key and impersonate a client making a request to an API gateway. That's kind of nasty, right? So yeah, we have all sorts of problems with the, with these things, with original one-way authentication of TLS. Right? How long was that? Maybe 20 minutes? Now we're going to discuss MTLs. I'm going to put chapters. What is this? These chapter notes, guys, don't worry. So, how do I solve these problems? Okay. One more problem, one more problem. Before we jump into it, I need to talk about microservices here. Microservices came into the picture as well. We have services, you know, each service, let's assume it's in a container, so it has an IP address. So we have service A, service B, service C, service D. And all these services need to connect to an API gateway, but service F and G and X doesn't have any business connecting to this API gateway because it gets it doesn't need to, just doesn't need to. Uh, so I might say, Hussein, just uh, the and 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 all A to all these services are actually in the same network. Right? Why? Because they. It's easier to put them in the same network. There is, there is no, there is no business. Even if they are not in the same network, they are in, in different subnets, but they still can communicate with each other. It's, it's, a, it's one network. Right? At the end of the day, so how do you prevent the, a, the these services from connecting to the API gateway? Because they don't have any business connecting to this. Well, you can say, hey, hardcore the IP address, the individual IP address uh, uh, into the you know, firewall configuration and, and block any attempt. You can do that. You can put a, only the authentic things that can access the API gateway into a subnet and anything that doesn't into another subnet. But that gets complicated as well, right? I guess. You, you can do it. I'm not going to say complicated. You can do everything can be solved, right? But I can't imagine it's like, okay, what if this needs to access and it's not in the subnet? You can you start adding more subnets and stuff like that. But maybe there is a better way, right? Through whitelisting. It's like, okay, let me, here's who can access me. And here's who can authenticate with me. Right? So this is another problem that can be solved with mutual TLS. Let's talk about that. So mutual TLS is not something new. It's been there since day one, since we, we released TLS. Okay? And the idea is when we establish the TCP connection, followed by the TLS handshake, and then, let me get up there. And then the server comes back, and the server will say, okay, here's my certificate, and by the way, I am configured as a backend to ask for your certificate. Otherwise, we can't complete this handshake. So here's a request for cert for a client certificate. That's what mutual TLS is. It's just asking for client cert. Nothing fancier than that. If the client is providing the certificate and the server is providing the certificate, this is called a mutual TLS. Uh, that's what that's the name is. So in this case, if the server requested the client certificate, then the client is forced to provide the certificate, right, to the server. 
right? After that step. And the server will receive the client certificate and will do exactly the same thing that the client did with this certificate of the server. It will do the chain, it will verify that the client identity, and maybe it's going to use the domain name, maybe it's going to use something else, but it's going to verify it. It's going to use this, some sort of a search store to verify against that. And only those that have been previously trusted before in the server will be allowed. The TLS handshake will be aborted if either the server certificate is rejected or the client certificate is rejected. So it's more secure. It's way more secure. Eh? So now this becomes like if you think about oh this is kind of it's kind of problematic, right? So, because we have way more clients than servers. That's why it's very hard to implement this in, in the internet. But we're going to come to that in the disadvantages section. So now, the beauty of this is even if someone stole my password or someone stole my API token or API keys or someone fished me and got my password, if they used my password or my API key against a server that supports mutual TLS, they won't be allowed inside because they need to present a client certificate that has my name in it. And my name, you can think of it, it's just another domain probably. And, and, uh, uh, and that will only allowed if, you, if, this, if the client is trusted. So that is extreme level of security. That's pretty good, right? Especially in a tight backend environment where you have control about all of this stuff, obviously, right? So we kind of solve this problem, right? That's pretty neat. Microservices, yeah. It's like I support this kind of mutual TLS and here's the here are the domains that can connect to me. Here are the services that can connect connect to me. Service A, service B, service C, service D, and these are could be thought of host names or domains. Service D, and that's it. Right? If a new service was added and required uh, an API gateway access, then you just basically give it access to that, right? Just sub add that to the search store and make the server trust that new service. As I was editing the video, I also thought about this. It's very cool. If you, you can add that service and any client that has that cert, no matter what network they live on, no matter what IP address they have, they can access. So that's an advantage of this. If you do it as a, at a network level, if you block it at the network level, you would have to do this configuration at the network level. So it, it might get hairy if you implement it at that level, but it's better to implement it at the higher level. So another advantage for MTLS, back to the video. Right. So that is obviously all this requires management. It's not for free, you know, managing certificates is a team worth of effort no one person can do it no and i think it's being tried to be automated but obviously automating something is not enough you need to understand how it works because 
if it breaks, someone needs to fix it, right? That's why we do all this stuff. We try to understand. We try to get to the bottom of everything and focus on try here. I'm trying to understand these things. I don't know everything, obviously. So it's very interesting. And I'm, I'm looking here because this, these are my notes. I have literally just three notes just talking through this, not reading anything. But yeah, so with microservices, yeah, now a network engineer might say, You're, you guys are so, just too lazy. I wouldn't even allow the TCP connection to be established. I'm going to, you can have further network level restriction, if you will. And I would have agreed with that network engineer. It's kind of, we're putting, uh, what, what is the saying, right? There's a saying here. We're uh, throwing the baby with the bathwater. That's the closest thing I can think of. And it means like, hey, instead of, hey, we have this problem that I don't want this service to connect to this, uh, right? It's like, okay, why don't you use networking? Oh, network is too much complicated. No, 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 I don't want to. Right? Uh, here's, I throw everything and, I'm going to invent this mutual TLS thing to solve this, right? So it's like you throw everything and you you create a new thing instead, right? Uh, yeah, you can solve this problem. Like, okay, this service cannot access this by using network configurations. But again, I would imagine there are some limitations to reached, why, why we reach this level. And I'm not aware of these limitations, right? Yeah. because it's it's definitely cheaper performance wise and I'm not going to say uh, infrastructure maintenance effort to 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 prevent really just the connection at all just like block it right in say hey this network this subnet cannot access the API gateway subnet and you can block it you can put it in its own you know virtual network sort of speak, right? That's Amazon allows you to do that, I believe, right? So you can do all these tricks, but I believe there is always a, an exception. And these exceptions are the nastiest one. So maybe mutual management is easier in that case, but I might be wrong there. So that gives us to actually the problems of mutual TLS. What's the disadvantages of mutual TLS? Like, Sure, we have, we always trusted the servers, but how much expensive it is to trust the clients, right? How much config do I need to do? How much management, how much maintenance do I have to do to do this client cert, to do this mutual TLS? Can't imagine anything that you need to extra do that definitely have extra cost. Unless there is a way to somehow uh, have the certificate manage cert store be centralized for both servers and clients. And I think that might be it. Right? Uh, how costly is to manage this store? Updating that, reissuing certificate, right? All of that stuff. There's a cost to it. Sure, I guess you can argue that this is the cost of doing business, but it's a cost regardless. And 
I would I would I would leave it to the DevOps engineer who actually deals to with this on day to day basis. Maybe you guys can tell your your war stories or horror stories when it comes to managing certs. I don't know if it's hard or not. I never did did this before. Uh, another problem is uh, is we have way more clients than servers. So yeah, with servers. Uh, we have the certificate store and and we usually trust certificate authorities better and anything that is signed by the certificate authority that's enough right and if we trust the certificate authorities should be enough right if we have one certificate authority and as long as you have a certificate that should be enough right once you we know that this certificate is signed by the certificate authority and it, you manage to get a certificate out of the certificate authority which makes me now think about another <laughs> chain of attack where an attacker managed to spin up a container in the network and requested a certificate from the certificate authority. I would imagine. Because now you need uh, to prove... I mean, how do you prevent that? That in itself sounds like has to be done by some, some other, you know, administrative almost. Uh, uh, process you know nobody can just request a certificate otherwise anyone will just request a certificate and they're gonna get it so this is really you know interesting to think about all this stuff and another problem i can think of so even if you have mutual tls right you have mutual tls in all your microservices and you have okay a to x services uh, have access to the API gateway and only those guys can talk to this. Okay? And let's say your API gateway got pushed to GitHub or stolen or whatever, session key got leaked, you know. And you're an attacker. And you now want to use that API key. You might say, I'm saying you can't because you're an attacker. You can't really just connect to that API gateway internally because you don't have access to it one then you don't have mutual TLS but what if I talk to the reverse proxy to the load balancer it says hey load balancer here's my API gateway I am I'm outside the network I'm completely outside and I sent a request with a header, with an authentication header with my API gateway that I install. I don't believe we have mutual TLS by default with the reverse proxies publicly, right? It's like anyone can connect to that public load balancer. So if the fact that if we blindly take that request and forward it to an internal microservice, that microservice turns around and establishes a TLS session with the actual API gateway inside the microservices network. And in that point, it's trusted. So now it's almost like the attacker has been proxied by a trusted mutual TLS microservice. It's completely useless because how and and the, and the server will be authenticated and the 
you will you retrieve the result from the database and will be authenticated and then get get back the response. And the load balancer will respond to the attack. I said, hey, here's your data that you requested. Cool. So mutual TLS is useless in this case, right? Because it's not all the way, you know, exposed publicly. Right? It's completely useless in this case. So you need to find a way to actually uh, have a way to tag the key with certain either IP address or a domain that's so that the load balancer or the reverse proxy can do a little bit or the public API gateway, if you will, right? I keep saying API gateway is actually what's exposed to the public, right? While the authentication might happen in a downstream client, right? So yeah, these are some of the problems that I can think of of mutual TLS, obviously. Nothing is perfect, but uh, I, I try to always... When there's a new technology like this, a new in a sense like it's popularized, I try to think of some, what's what's gonna buy this later. I'm, I'm summarizing this. We're, we're gonna end this show very soon. What can go wrong, really? Because we always, you know, we are proud as a software engineer that when we invent something, we all, we never, almost never talk about the possible disadvantages. Right? You even see it in RFCs, right? Sometimes they talk about it and they say, okay, we know about these current limitations. Sometimes, honestly, we just don't know. This is an honest thing. It's like, I, we just don't know. We just discovered these attacks as we go. Right? I mean, even performance-wise and optimization enhancements, this happens gradually, right? It's like, why do you think we had HTTP 109 and then uh, 10 and then 11 and then we enhanced this performance and we disabled the header compressions in 11 because we couldn't figure out how to solve crime. Now crime, C-R-I-M-E, capital, right? Forgot what it stands for. And then we invented HTTP 2 and we... We run into another problem. We finish to be three and quick. And now a quick is perfect. Nobody's, everyone's talking perfect about quick. Best thing ever, right? And I'm sure a few years, if not so already there, people will find limitations in quick. Limitations is to be three problems. I believe there's or there are already problems because quick is built on UDP. The statelessness of UDP is very scary, you know? reply attacks, you know, fragmentation, IP fragmentations, nasty things can happen like that. Uh, protection at a higher level obviously exists, but it's always scary when things are stateless, because <laughs> anyone can just send it. There is no state persistent in the server like TCP, where, hey, here's your sequences, here's where your window size, I know you, you can just send me something, right? I need to verify that it exists in my session. Yeah. Yeah. And mutual theorists is no different. I think uh, it's good. I think it's generally it's, it's very good, but uh, I think we should really pay attention to the limitations and not just because something is, I guess, good. doesn't mean we have to always implement it. Like we can't implement a mutual TLS in the internet. Tough luck. It's like, what? doesn't make any sense to be implemented in the whole internet 
right but certain services might like i can i can see us in the future was my phone somewhere in the my pocket i think i can see something like a client certificate per phone or per device like my mac my phone would have a client cert and i would register this client cert public key prior with netflix and says hey netflix you only these certificates can access you right these these are my public keys right or, or maybe i can create a domain and i sign this domain with netflix but then netflix has to manage all these certs which is something that they never did obviously they didn't have to but maybe it's more secure right it's just is this isn't isn't this what passwordless is i don't i didn't read anything about passwordless authentication is this this i maybe it is right because that's that's it looks like this is might be the future right passwordless if this is what passwordless is and not something completely different because like hey i can register a certificate on the server and mutual tls is the future right maybe but <laughs> good luck like uh, having the server support mutual tls and the certificate stores and yeah maybe it will happen but i don't think it's impossible for certain big websites right it's definitely more convenient it's like oh i don't care about passwords anymore credentials tokens bye bye the moment you open your phone if you have physical that physical thing with you that's your key that's your public key and i trust you and you have your private key obviously secure and obviously all of this should go to this what do you what do you call this this chip I keep forgetting this hardware stuff i had because that was bugging me i had to google it tpm trusted platform module which is a module that is completely isolated from the os it has its own memory cpu cache and that module is responsible for storing and issuing private keys and all that just so trusted platform module so yeah i would imagine the certs will private parts at least private parts that's funny the private sections of the certificates will go into the tpm but yeah all of this is stuff is fascinating and and when i make these you know these shows i i have a very general outline and as i talk I'm surprised by what I'm saying because I'm discovering new things. It's so funny because I don't have time anymore to sit, sit down and just talk like, with, with kids and the life. But uh, it's like it's like when I do these videos, it's like I'm having a conversation with someone. And as I have a conversation, I'm discovering new things. And you'll be surprised. Like I recorded this video like before and i i trashed it because as i was recording i was thinking about all different things and and the videos like can we come it's like what is going on it's like you're all over the place i am all over the place in this video too but a little bit better hope you enjoyed this episode i'm gonna see you on the next one again you guys yeah, go to network.hussainnasser.com for a discount coupon on my network fundamentals for effective packing uh, course and check out my other courses as well head to hussainnasser.com there's all a course that supports the show right consider becoming a member becoming a member supports the show there is a uh over 60 i have i think at this time it's a 70 member only exclusive content you get the slides for free you get special badge fancy stuff next to your name you have special icons that uh, you can use in comments and chat gonna see you in the next one you guys stay awesome thank you so much <laughs>